0: Howdy, folks. This is professional rodeo announcer Joe Coulter, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. But before we get started, I want to ask you one question What is a cowboy? Well, a cowboy is about character, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And you know, when you scratch all that into the dirt, you're going to spell out the word Christ. And that, in its simplest form, is what being a true cowboy is all about. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride for the Lord. And may God save the cowboy. You know, last week, I, uh, if you got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 12. If you ain't got your Bible, who cares? I'm going to read it to you anyway. Uh, last week, I, I, I left something out. Last week, I told y'all that I was afraid of sharks. I told you that I had a new fear of shaved llamas. I have verified that every day when I drive by that shaved llama and it looks at me. Now I go like this. Because they just weird me out. It just, It's, it, it's creepy. It, it, is, it is creepy. But you know what? I, I've got another fear, and um, I, I don't know if anybody else has one of these, but do we have any dentists in here? I know we got some dental hygienists and stuff like that. Y'all freak me out, too. I can think of no other uncomfortable position than to be laying nearly flat on your back right here with your mouth wide open with two people right here. <laughs> the last time that happened and it wasn't in a dentist office, I was asleep one night and I was sitting there and I was just, I was just getting my beauty sleep. i mean, young child, I do that a lot. And I, was getting my beauty, I was getting my nap on hard, man. It was in the middle of the night. I'm laying there. And you know how you, you know you're asleep, but you're still kind of awake. It's that, you know, it's that cowboy way, you know, you're awake in a heartbeat. And I'm laying there and everything is just great. I'm probably dreaming about something or another. And I hear, Dad, and Riley is right here. <laughs> you know what happens whenever you, you scare an octopus, it inks? I did that. <laughs> she made me ink. It was messy. I'm joking. She didn't really make me eat that much. I'm like, Riley, you can't get right here and say, Dad, I nearly killed you. I nearly used cowboy kung fu. You know. Ah! But I'm serious, it scared the dog out of me. And so she was like, sorry, Dad. And I was like, it's all right, honey, you know. I think it's cool that, you know, she came and asked for me. So it was a couple of weeks later, I don't remember what it was, and um, she, I, I said, all you have to do is just come to the door and, and say, well, what happened was when she was right here, she kind of whispered it. She was like, Dad, which was scary. It was like paranormal activity kynosa. <laughs> Dad, the grudge. Uh. <laughs> so she did, I said, all you have to do is just talk in a normal voice, just stand at the door, open it up and say, Dad. I said, I will wake up. So a couple of weeks later, she came to the door and she opened it up. I was sleeping, didn't hear the door open. It was probably open already. Dad, I come up out of bed again. I was like, normal voice, normal voice. So I have this thing with people like right here. You know, it, it kind of creeps me out. So I don't like Dennis, but uh, not too long ago. Well, it's, it's been a while back. Let's see, I'm 23. So it had to have been like six months ago. Um, <laughs> somebody, somebody said a bad word. <laughs> not really. Uh, So I had to have my wisdom teeth taken out, and I was too wise to begin with. It was starting to make people uncomfortable, so they thought that they would level the playing field and take my wisdom teeth out and kind of bring me down a little bit. So I I, uh, went and had my wisdom teeth taken out, and um, they they went to do the x-rays, and I had them novocaine me for the x-rays, just because (laughs) I don't like it. I asked them if they had anything stronger, like, you know, wild turkey or... Moonshine—they didn't have any of that. So I asked for the harder stuff. They didn't have anything illegal in there. But anyway, I got—I got through the—I got through the X-rays and, and, and stuff like that, and uh, had the the surgery and everything. Christy took me over for the surgery, and I mean I don't like this. So they—they have this new thing they call sedation dentistry where they knock you out, and um, <laughs> they're not lying. <laughs> They knocked me out. And I remember, I was like, they was like, open up. And I said, not until you knock me out. They said, well, the medicine's working. You know, go ahead and open your mouth. Not until you knock me out. And the next thing I know, I'm standing in the, in the uh, little deal, and Christy's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And so they said, you need to take this medicine just as soon as you can and, and keep taking it for the next 24 hours and stuff like that, because I guess they had to, they had to get a... a, a high lift jack in there to get one more teeth out. And they said I was going to be pretty sure, pretty sore. And so anyway, we drove up to this 7-Eleven and folks, I am loopy like you wouldn't believe, man. I'm having a great time because, you know, you've had surgery on your face and you go. <laughs> and so Christy goes in and I'm, do, I'm not going to do this in front of her, you know, because so I'm so I'm, she's in the 7-Eleven store, and she's getting me some Gatorade to drink. And she comes out, and she hands me the pill. And, and so I'm just going to take a drink of Gatorade, you know, and take the pill. Well, I take the drink of Gatorade, and it just runs out the corner of my mouth. <laughs> and I was like, and it just runs out. She's like, honey, you're spilling it. And I said, no, no, my mouth won't hold it. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I might as well have just been poured it on my face. And she's like, Kevin, you're making a mess. And I said, I can't feel my face. I can't feel it. See, hit me, hit me. She loves that story because it was her one chance and she didn't take it. I offered it right there, and you didn't take it. Don't come crying to me whenever you, the next time you want to do that. Either that or just go get me some dental work. But I was like, hit me, hit me. It wasn't that funny later on. I felt like somebody did hit me. But back to the x-rays, whenever the doctor come walking back in, and I'm a nervous wreck because he couldn't find me because I was hiding in the cabinet, and he found me. He's like, come on out of here, cowboy. I was like, no, I just I thought I heard something in here. So I got out, and I sat in the chair, and he goes, when did you get shot? I said, what? He goes, when did you get shot? And I sat there, and I kind of laughed, and I said, how did you know and he stuck that X-ray up on the deal, and I had two shotgun BBs embedded in my jaw. And I said, Well, that was my little brother. I had to tell this story this week, because he'll be here next week. <laughs> I said, That's my little brother shot me in the face with the with the 20-gauge shotgun. And he said, Seriously? And I said, Yeah, dead serious. We were we were hunting at the Rocker B, we were dove hunting. And um, we were at this dirt tank. I don't know what y'all silly Colorado people call them things. We call them dirt tanks. They're big old holes in the ground that hold water. In case you don't know what a dirt tank is, a pond is that what they call them up here? Ponds or something like that? Anyway, I we we were in the you know sitting around this pond because they were flying in for water, and I shot one because I'm like Andrew Oakley, and I shot one and I went to get it and everybody's facing this way and I walked down there and I got my bird. And I wasn't paying attention, and you know what, that's usually what happens when when accidents happen. And so I got my bird, and I'm walking back up, and anyway, I see these dove coming in. And being as smart as I am, I just keep walking up the side of this dirt tank looking at these dove. And they're coming right at me, and I'm like, well, I wonder if I'm going to shoot them. And about that time I looked, and my brother was watching the birds like this, and I was watching the birds And as I turned, I saw the muzzle of that barrel from about me to the front row. And I looked, and I dropped my gun and the barrel, and I covered my face, and he pulled the trigger, and it knocked me backwards. Boom! And I hit the ground, and I rolled over, and the thing that was hurting the worst was was my hands. And um, I, I turned over and everything, and whenever I took my hands away from my face, nothing but blood was coming from my face. And I thought, and it really didn't hurt, and I thought, oh my gosh, I done had my face blowed off. And about that time, you know, my dad got there, my brother got there, and everything like that, and it really wasn't that serious in all matters. Um, For about, oh, I'd say about 20 or 30 minutes, they dug BBs out of my hands. Luckily, I had covered my face, and that's where all the BBs hit. I guess a couple got through and got me in the jaw. And uh, I I just, my little brother was so worried. I mean, he felt so bad. And it really wasn't his fault. I mean, granted, he, he could have been watching, but I'm the one that walked right up there. I mean, come on. I should have had more sense than that. I knew where everybody was facing, and I walked right up into it. And I remember that when I figured out I was okay, one of the BBs had nicked my chin and that thing bled like a stuck pig. I didn't know your chin would bleed so bad, but it does. And that's whenever I opened up my eyes, that's where the blood was coming from was my chin. And uh, anyway, I kept telling Jason, Jason I'm fine, it was my fault, my fault. And it was about 20 minutes later while dad's got his pocket knife out digging BBs out of my hands and everything, I just went to shaking. I guess the adrenaline or something come down, and I mean, I got lightheaded, and I had to, I was already sitting down, thank goodness, because I think I'd have fainted if, if not for that. But you know what? That story reminded me of what I wanted to talk about today, because every single one of us has got some lead in us. First, I'm going to tell you what it is, and then I'm going to tell you how to get rid of it, because the devil's got some ammo that he uses on all of us each and every day, and until we know what that ammo is, it's really hard to, to keep it from happening, to keep it from hitting us, to keep from embedding in us. The devil's ammo is listed in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Just listen. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. These principalities are the devil's ammo. And the biggest shell that the devil has is fear. But I'm not talking about a fear of the dentist. I'm not talking about a fear of naked llamas. I'm talking about the kind of fear that creeps up on you in the middle of the night and keeps you from sleeping. I'm talking about a kind of fear that invades our relationships like a cancer and destroys them. I'm talking about the kind of fear that consumes our conversations when we visit with our friends. I'm talking about the kind of fear that, if left unchecked, will destroy your faith, your family, and your relationship with God. Do you know what that fear is? Do you have any ideas? Because I know, I know you're sitting there going, well, it, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Because fear can come in a variety of, of uh, forms. But the fear that I'm talking about is the fear that God isn't going to be on your side. Or maybe the, the fear that God is going to drop the ball. Or maybe the fear that God isn't going to take care of you. And what is that fear called? It's called worry. Jared talked about it earlier. Worry. How many of us right now, whether we want to admit it or not, don't raise your hands? You're worried about something. You're worried about this or worried about that. And it consumes you. You can't go to sleep at night because you're worried about something. Or you have trouble falling asleep because... You're, you're worried. You, you're not as productive at work because you're worried about something. You don't pay attention to your kids. You're worn out. You don't play with them like you should because you've got all these worries that are running through your mind. Isn't that what worry is, a fear that God isn't going to be on your side? Because didn't, didn't God say, don't worry? Didn't He say, I'm going to take care of you? So if you're worrying, isn't that a belief that God isn't going to be there for you? Or that God's going to drop the ball or that God's ain't going to take care of you? Because if you believe that God is on your side, and if you believe that God never drops the ball, and if you believe that God's going to take care of you, then why would you ever have a need to worry? Listen to this popular verse from Matthew chapter 6. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. Now this is Jesus himself talking right here. He says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, a lot of people have heard that verse. No one can serve two masters. We've all heard it before and everything like that. But what does that actually mean? I mean, he says you cannot serve both God and money. Is that all he's talking about? Why did Jesus say that? What does it mean? Do we have to go to Bible college so some dude that smells like mildewed fart can explain it to us? Or can we just let Jesus himself explain it? Jesus tells exactly what this means in the very next verse. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And 25 says this, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Hmm. A lot of people don't equate serving two masters with worrying, do they? But God links them right here. He said, you cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? Is your body more than clothing? Think about it. Why else would Jesus use those exact words after talking about no one can serve two masters? That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. But how much of each and every one of our lives, me included, I'm preaching to the preacher this morning. I'm going to have to go back and watch this so I can get something out of it. Not really. I've been, God's been hammering on me. Because I've been worried about this and I've been worried about that. And God says, don't worry. Man, you hard-headed fools, quit worrying. If you believe in me, I will take care of you. What are these worries about everyday life? Lack of money? Or maybe you got money, you ain't got a lack of it, but you want more of it? I mean, how much of our worries revolve in some form or fashion over money or what money can or cannot buy? How about what other people think about us? Man, I think if you took those two things and and you lumped them together, most of our worries come from either money or something to do with other people. Maybe we don't like what other people are doing, so... We worry about, well, I don't know why they're doing that, or not doing this, or blah, 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 or maybe somebody's mad at you, or maybe you're mad at somebody. You're worried about it all the time, fretting. Why is this so important? Why does worrying cause so many problems? Matthew 13, says, The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. Now, Jesus had got through telling the story about some seeds, you know, some that fell... Uh, fell on the road and were blown away, and then others that fell among the thorn bushes and were uh, choked out the other stuff, and then uh, some that fell on fertile ground and they produced lots and lots of fruit. And then the disciples asked him to, to, hey, what does all that mean? And he's talking about one of them. He said, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. How many of us me included, how many of us listen to God's Word, some of us on a daily basis, many of us on a weekly basis, or maybe on a monthly basis, or forget all that. You're here today hearing God's Word, but how much of it is going to be crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced? Wow. Let me read that all together. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's Word... But all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. Does that sound familiar about no one can serve two masters? So no fruit is produced. The bearing of fruit is a sign that you're receiving God's grace and mercy. He doesn't take those things away, but worry gets in the way and doesn't allow them to grow in us. Look, God's not going to take something away from you. What it does is we put up something in the way. God doesn't. So whenever we're worried about everyday life, worry creates a barrier of our own choosing, of our own choosing, where God's grace and mercy can't get to us. Because He gives us free will, does He not? Besides His Son dying on the cross, that is the greatest gift that He gave us. He will not make you accept Him as Lord and Savior. He will not make you give Him all of your problems. He will not make you let Him take care of you. He will not make you... Cast all your burdens upon Him. He will not make you be joyful. He will not heal you if you put up a wall and say, I don't want it. What's all this stuff about fruit anyway? In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, But the spirit produce, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. Now I want to ask you a question, and once again, don't raise your hands, but the Bible says that we should, we should judge ourselves honestly. How many of us, if we had to write down what, how we think other people see us, are going to write down, I think that person is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. That completely defines that person. I don't think probably very many of us are going are to get even, even probably half of those. Some of us might. Some of y'all might. <laughs> but does that describe your life? Love, joy, peace... Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. Does that describe your life? It should, because that's when you know you're following God. You don't have to produce fruit by trying real hard. They are produced because you have good roots, firm foundation, and they are a natural result. You've heard me say it before. How many times have you seen an apple tree go to make an apple? They don't do it. It just happens naturally as a result of good water, good soil. Bearing fruit is a result of our faith. It's, we can't make that happen. We can act like we love other people. We can act like we're joyful. We can act like we're all for peace. We can act like we have patience. We can act like we have kindness, goodness, and humility. And we can act like we have self-control. But that's not the same as actually bearing that fruit without thought. Worry is the fear that God isn't going to be on your side. Worry is the fear that God is going to drop the ball. Worry is the fear that God isn't going to take care of it. The devil's got some mighty big ammo, and he is shooting it right at you, and when you come to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you put a big old target right on you. You might as well put some antlers on your head and elk skin on your body and walk around in Colorado on opening day. People be shooting at you all over the place. I told you I'd show you how to fix it. In Romans 12, 2, Paul says, Do not conform yourself to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, another version says. Then you will be able to know the will of God. People say, well, I don't know what God wants from me. He tells you right there in black and white exactly how to know God's will. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Quit doing what everybody else is doing, especially the lost. Then you will be able to know what the will of God is, what is good and is pleasing to Him and is perfect. Or if you need a simplified cowboy version of that, it says don't give in to what this world says to say, think, feel, or do anymore. Be a different person by God changing the way you think about things. Then you can see and know what God wants, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It develops well-formed maturity in you. Quit thinking like the world thinks. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, change the way you think. We must change the way we think. We must change our minds before we can stop worrying. How do we do that? How do we do that? We make a choice. Remember I told you that earlier. The greatest gift besides God coming down here in the form of a man and paying the price for all of our no account, sorry hides, everything that we've done, the greatest gift that He gave us is the gift of choice. And you have that choice with worry. You absolutely do. It might be the hardest choice you ever make. I no longer am going to worry about this because I know that God is on my side. I know that God is not going to drop the ball. He has never dropped the ball. Will He ever drop the ball? No. I'm not going to worry because God's on my side. I'm not going to worry because God's never going to drop the ball. And I'm not going to worry because God's going to take care of me because no one can serve two masters. You're either going to let God take care of you or you're not. Which would you rather have? I know which one I'd rather have. Make a choice today. Might be the hardest choice you ever make. But the most important choice you'll ever make is to follow Him because you can't make the choice you need to without Him. Hey, before you shut that knob off, Let me tell you something. If you like today's program, we can all give a great big thank you to Western LLC. They're a turnkey development for oil and gas and aviation industries. You can get on the internet and visit them at westernllc.com. Also, Jim and Kelly Gerald at Integrity Auto Repair and Rod Denning at Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling, all of them out of Kiowa, Colorado. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. (laughs) Okay, maybe every once in a while, but this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need your help to stay on the air and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. It ain't easy to ask, I promise you. We'll even tell all your friends that are listening that it's you that are bringing it to them. Help us out by going to SaveTheCowboy.com and contacting me. Call me and let's get this thing set up. Don't leave it to somebody else.